Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here. Hi, in Wade. The podca- Thank you. In the podcast Hello, studio, Wade. it was Wisconsin Lutheran College. Um, Mike and I just recorded a Wing in It session that should be coming out next week with this on Original Sin. And now, Jason, who has finished teaching his class, yes, um, he gets done the latest on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, that's the trade-off of only working Monday, Wednesday, Friday. <laughs> And so now he has come to join us, and we are going to be discussing Romans 13. Um, Mike was just teaching Romans in 105. You were talking about Romans in 105, yeah, too. Yeah, I had 105, too, yeah. Um, and I gave them one sentence on Romans 13, because, yeah. you know. And uh, I was just teaching Romans 13 earlier this week in Romans. And um, uh, some students raised some good points, and we just had good discussion. And I thought, you know what, this might be a nice, interesting discussion. So we will see how that, how that goes. Um, we are uh, very happy to be part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. encourage you to check out 1517.org, all t- uh, sorts of great resources. Pastor Borland, John, friend of the show, just had a very nice blog article that came out through them. Go there, check it out, give it a read, <clears throat> um, buy Mike's book. I saw a colleague at the college, I was talking to Mike and Chapel the other day, and stopped and started talking to Mike, and I heard complimented mm-hmm your book um go buy mike's book um uh, you don't have to buy mine i get it people love michael they don't love wade um <laughs> but, but my well, books no, are there wade's got a plethora of books but if you would buy one i would suggest the mark book would you not if you were gonna of all the millions of books of you it's probably the easiest read yeah well no i mean like the, it's the most gospel. it was the most fun one i did yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I've heard compliments yeah. from others on the Mark what book have we as been well. Talking about lately, Jason. <laughs> Your books are not good. Thank is you, that Jason. what you is, is that what you'd prefer me to say? Yes, you you have been too um, <laughs> wanton with your love, and I need you to love me a little bit less. I need Mike to love me a little more. See, so you, you see what I did? Yeah, and I said, well, if you're going to get one book. And then yes. give him a compliment. Right. Yeah, he but knows it was what also, I heard. But it was what also I heard an is, insult. <laughs> right. Because I was like, what's wrong with my other two books? Right. Yeah. See how he did that? I did see that. Yep. So that's uh, what I want you to work on. Yeah. I'm going I'm to learn from Mike. Thank you. I would appreciate be that. good. Yep. Um, but uh, 1517.org, lots of fun stuff to check out. We thank them for their support. We have some new equipment that came and some that will be coming yet, hopefully. Um, and Ben and Peter need to at some point teach us how to use it. We got to get on them. Maybe, maybe someone has a nice backyard where we can uh, give them some beer and hang out. And uh, we're not doing my backyard anymore because Mike just walks around and finds faults. <laughs> He's like these. This retaining wall is crooked. Although, um, although there's a weed growing in your kayak. <laughs> you did have a weed growing out of your kayak. Um, so, first of all, why do you have a kayak? That's that's question number one. We do but, kayak every summer, bro. But, um, both of us actually might be moving because our our taxes are going to go up mm-hmm. astronomically. The assessment went up thirty two thousand five hundred. Ours went, went up, up forty thousand. Wow! It was on the nightly news. I saw. Uh, I didn't watch the nightly news, but there was an ad local that, or like, national, local about like uh, everybody's taxes went up a lot. That's not cool. Mm-hmm. We better get some glorious bike lanes out of this. <laughs> On the other That's, hand, our kids go to high school for free. Yeah, there is that. Your kids do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, what Mike. are we talking about? My kids get school choice, Mike. Yes, let's just let everyone know. <laughs> now we're going to get another angry email yeah. about the evils of school choice. Yeah. <clears throat> Send it to Jason. His kid, I bet, doesn't get choice. Yeah. Oh. Do you want me to? Do you want me to answer, no, or do you want me to Jason plead the fifth? Jason is the one for sure. To... You need to be the one who doesn't. So we're gonna say <laughs> the. Um, but yeah, you guys, this. Let me just tell. We talked about this in the wing in session a little bit. This is like opposite day to day. I have had to be the voice of reason. I have had to. Try to keep us on task. And you're not very good at it. I have had to even <laughs> discourage some things that would have been borderline inappropriate. And that is not my gift. 
And um, it's like, not your spiritual gift. I'm That's... trying to get back to. I was keeping this intro so short. And I don't even know how we just got to where we got. Yeah. On. Um, it's like Bizarro Wade. Yeah. That's... So what I'm gonna what I'm gonna say is we're gonna talk about Romans 13. I have a free for all, so we'll do the free for all um, right after this. Uh, 1517.org. This is Let the Bird Fly. Jason Wade, Mike. And just give us a disclaimer, Mike. This so show can, doesn't yeah, speak for our this. churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism. Because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. And that brings us to our free-for-all where we discuss the pressing issues of the day. And I sent this to you guys uh, in Telegram, so hopefully you uh, you got a chance to think about it. But for context, um, Miguel Cabrera, Miggy, of My Detroit Tigers. Mm-hmm. And I did in one class, um, whoever guesses correctly, the game in which he does this gets five points extra credit. Mm-hmm. Um He's chasing 3,000 hits. He's at 2,999. Um, did you guys see the news about how nuts the Tigers fans went at the Yankee manager for uh, I did intentionally see that. walking him? Um, <clears throat> 3,000 hits is a big deal for, for a batter to get. What would you say, <clears throat> out of all the different kind of sports records or achievements that people can have? So I'm not saying like just most home runs. Mm. Every sport's going to have certain categories someone has the most of. <clears throat> but it's like a milestone that that maybe like several people will do, but it's still kind of rare. Like a perfect game in baseball. You know, it, there's not a lot of them, but it they can happen. Um, what sport, what event, uh, what comes to mind for you? Well, let's stick with Miggy. <clears throat> Triple crown. I think mm. in our lifetime, has there only been one? I am pretty sure. I think you might be right. It was a long time before that. Now, there's certain, like, I I think you would like us to eliminate, like, most strikeouts or most, like, that's not going to, you know, those those things are a different era that you're talking about, like, this feat, you know, like, um, uh, hitting for the cycle. It could be hat trick in hockey, like a one-game thing even, but, like. Yeah. I would say, I would say the triple crown of baseball hitting would be got to be on the short list. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. I was kind of thinking of as far as like just your average ordinary person, like what type of event I think, you know, and this is maybe not such a huge thing for professionals that, that play a lot, but a hole, a hole in one for golf. Mm, I think that would that be, good. and, and there are, you know, and sometimes, you know, they're just people that play and get really lucky, but having played a, a fair amount of golf in my day and, you know, just number one, there aren't that many holes that that's possible. <laughs> and then you get all of those shots that go anywhere, but near the hole when you get one that's actually close. I think that there's some skill involved. Yeah, there's some skill and and there's probably a <laughs> bit of luck. And luck. I was gonna say also triple crown, but I was gonna go horse racing. Yeah. That's another only good one, one in our lifetime too. Maybe yep. two. And uh, I think it was around seventy eight. Seventy eight was the last one. Seventy eight. Didn't somebody did recently? I thought yeah. someone got in trouble for it though. Was um, it there? No. Well, so yeah, there was one. It was. Um, was it American Pharaoh was the one that just was recently, but that was the... And then Justify in 2018, it says. And so when Affirmed was... in 78, American Pharaoh 2015, and Justify in 2018. So technically yeah. two in our lifetime. Yeah. But I, I just think... Um, three. Like a lot of people may three. not watch a lot of horse racing, 
But when you get someone who has a chance of getting that, and, yep. and I'm sorry, but being at a horse race is a fun environment. So it is. Let's to expand a little bit out from this. I'm going through my head. Baseball has to be the sport that probably has the most kind of cool records like that yes. to get, huh? Just the statistical nature of it. I mean, I'm trying to think of anything for the NFL that would be similar, and I don't think there's as much for that, especially because the game changes so much over time in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The single-game ones for the NFL, I think, are, are rough just because, especially like, you know, the offensive style and game, yeah. you know, that's changed so much. Some of the career milestones maybe are are interesting, but... Even yeah, that, you get some guys who are playing now 17-game seasons. Yep, and, yep. So, I mean, you're right. That's I think NFL is just, it's not as numbers-driven as baseball. But there's... 60-yard field goal, mm-hmm. right? 5,000 yards passing. It used to be like 3,000, right? You know, those right. kinds of things. 2,000 yards rushing. I would rushing. think, though, baseball, yeah. hockey yeah. probably have the most. Because mm-hmm. there's hockey stuff that is pretty cool, too, to have pulled off. But, mm-hmm. but baseball has a lot. Okay. No other thoughts? No. Nope. I think that I think what is a- pitching victories would be another like, like that's the, the some of the career miles well honestly even the like a 30 30 a 30 yeah, game winner yeah, i mean yeah. even a even a 20 game winner now right. would be almost mm-hmm. they're just some i think of those now that, too someone who can still end up with some complete game shutouts yeah it's impressive to go that yep. deep in a game what um what's your cardinals what's what's the big record for the cardinals that you think is like that an individual has is there one that stands out in your lifetime that someone got <clears throat> besides like more steroids right <laughs> like i'm gonna eliminate all mark mcguire references i mean um, melina's got to have stuff huh every day it's he's this whatever but he's not he's not he's not johnny bencher von rodriguez uh-huh. even without the steroids. have they had something where it's like everybody's just watching for that I mean, I can think of like Cecil Fielder get, getting the fifty home runs was big back in the day, but yeah. others have done that now. So like, they, there... um, he and Wainwright most starts as a battery, most wins. I think they have the most wins now, but they're behind uh, the Tigers, um, Freehand and like mm. Lolich or whatever for most starts together. See, those also mm. are cool things though, where you have like so franchise. he's got his That's his rare are now. his are like. Like longevity, longevity type of yeah. things. Like a know. Cal Ripken. Right. He's a Cal, Cal Ripken type, uh, whatever. Albert Pujols is going to pass probably quite a few different people, hits and home runs this year. And the Twins would be like most pitchers who throw in the 80s? <laughs> yeah, probably. I would say the especially now. I mean, there's probably not any statistical. The the most statistical chases that they've had have been like rental players. You know where, um, like well, Kirby Puckett back in the day. Yeah, I would say the the ones where that I remember watching more were batting race numbers, where okay. Kirby Puckett had a couple of batting titles. Joe Maurer had a couple of batting titles where you know you're as you especially as you get toward the end of the season. You know, are they going to stay those? you know, a couple of batting average points ahead of the next guy or not. That, that that would be the one that I remember the, the statistical figure that I remember watching or caring, watching for and caring about. Nice. All right. Well, that was our free for all and we might in reasonable time make it to the main topic. us to our main topic which is Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13 not one of the longest chapters of the Bible but a uh, important one and uh, two main sections and this is where I thought it was really interesting to my students to draw this together. You're going to have church and state so politics law talk and then you're going to have Paul's reminder to love. Um, Maybe as if almost in every time Politics has been tempted to make us lose our minds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, 
So as we, I'm going to read through the first part of Romans 13, but I think if we can do it with um, Jesus' words, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's in mind. Um, the Petrine Clause, we must obey God rather than men. Um, but as we read through, one of the interesting discussions we had is someone said, well, you know, where does Paul talk elsewhere about resistance? And it's interesting that the, the Magdeburgers in Lutheran history would say he talks about resistance right here. Um, and Romans 13 is one of the key texts they went to when they resisted the emperor, um, reconquering and, or conquering and trying to re-Catholicize Magdeburg um, and resisted Duke Moritz of Saxony. Um, and they said Romans 13 teaches a, a duty of the lesser magistrate to do just that. <clears throat> so I'm going to read 1 through 7. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. And hope there's no way like this gets a copyright strike because people do church services and read the Bible. So um, we'll see. Maybe like hum something in the background. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Paul says, um, in just context, Romans 12, Paul has made the turn towards the Christian life to some degree. He begins Romans 12 in view of God's mercy. <clears throat> Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain." For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For the same reason you also pay taxes for the authorities of our ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed. Even Milwaukee, Mike, unfortunately, <laughs> I think. Um, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Now, I'll toss out what I think is an unfair caricature of Lutherans when it comes to Romans 13, um, which is that Luther basically taught a form of quietism, just this unthinking obedience to the state. Politics is politics. Don't get involved. That's not the the sphere for Christians. Um, you just, you obey the, the state like you would your father. And so you'll get things like the Shire myth um, that basically you can kind of draw a direct line from Luther to Hitler because when Hitler came, the Lutherans were just like, ooh, me obey government, right? And um, there was nothing in Luther's teachings to lead one to want to resist, whether that be Passive or active resistance, civil disobedience, stuff like that. Now, is there stuff in Lutheran history to somewhat help make that character caricature seem not totally off? Probably. <clears throat> Has there been some some stuff that kind of borders on quietism, maybe even in our own um, church bodies of the former Synodical Conference? There's probably stuff you can read. Um, but as you guys hear or read Romans 13... Maybe if we address that first, is this um, is this just we're Christians and yes we're citizens, but uh, we're apolitical? Is this um, this is just not a vocational duty or, or route for the Christian? Um, I know Mike, you've talked about this caricature before because we've talked about the Shire myth before. But anything that comes to mind for either of you with kind of. Um, uh, unfair representatives representations of Lutheran positions on Romans 13. Well, in seven short verses, I mean, he, he is really talking about an actual, very active engagement with government in the sense of this is what you owe to, to, to this, to this government, right? And you are to do this. Um, if you actively rebel, it get, it lays out what government is supposed to do, not a full blown polity, Right, that would be another problem here of, of reading too much into Paul here, 
Um, and remember, here's the other thing. Paul's writing like Jesus is coming back next Tuesday. This is not a political vision for the next 10 years. Right. Right. Um, he is living under the impression that Jesus will return before he dies. So we get that in first Corinthians quite a bit where he, first uh, Corinthians seven, where he says, Hey, when you become Christian, just stay in your, your station. Like don't become Christian. Then all of a sudden you have to give up your, your, your standing as a, you know, high class citizen. And don't think that just because you become Christian, all of a sudden you're, you know, you're, you're not going to be, all of a sudden you're going to be rich. Right. And it, from our point of view, it reads as if like he's against social mobility. Well, the context is Christianity is not something that gives you uh, a, a social standing in the secular in the secular realm. And the context is that he's coming back lately uh, or very quickly. The other context here, I know that's not what you asked, but, you know, uh, so we're Jewish, we're treated like we're we're uh you know we're we're a legal sort of religion now that we're christian are we treated like jewish people what is our standing uh for the vast majority of history religions for lack of a better term have to be registered with the government you can't just be whatever you want so you could see that people could especially in Rome right here where all of this political action is going on, say, now that I'm Christian, do I then, am I not under a governmental authority? Um, can which, is, which Jesus' own apostles struggled with this. Yeah. What kind of Messiah would he be? Should I be a freedom fighter? I, and this is the Jewish context, right? This is a debate. Should, are we going to be zealots? Are we going, right? This is, this is something that we have to understand the context, right? And I think that that when you read it in that context, he's talking about an engagement with the, with the government. And I'll say one last thing and I'll shut up. If he was writing in an American context and he might have continued verse seven by saying, you know, give to everyone that which you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes, revenue, then revenue. It's not inconceivable that he would have said, if you, you know, if, if you owe, if you owe your vote. Yep. Yep. If you owe your participation, as it is in a democracy, then give your participation. This is a different. This is a different context, right? There's right. not. Uh, Paul has some standing as a Roman citizen, but not everybody that he's speaking to does. Which he makes use of, by the yeah. way, right? He- so, I, when when you read it in that context, I just think it's it's much more of this is how you engage rather than this is how you disengage. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if I have too much more to add to that, but I think that that's an important thing is that um, it's often that when we read something like that, I mean, it's good that when we read a text like this, it's good that you want to apply it to your situation, but it's really important to make sure you understand what it's saying within its original context before you start pulling those applications out. And I mean, I think Mike did a good job of explaining that. He did um, an all right job. Yeah. You know, could have just, been better. all right. Could have been, but yeah. Um, so I don't have too much more to add, but I think that's just a really key thing because too, too quickly. I think times at times people are, are so quick to jump to that application that um, you maybe miss a step or two and maybe, um, over, over apply or under apply something with that. And, uh, can, can I add one more thing? Absolutely. And then we get, so welcome I, I think when I, when I teach this, I thinking about our context is generally middle-class white, probably left of center or right of center politically people, right? Just, and I'm, I'm talking America. I'm not talking about uh, Lutherans or whatever, right? In in the grand scheme of things, America's right of center, both mm-hmm. both Democrats and Republicans. So I'll say, remember St. Paul is say, saying this, when there was and had not been and no conceivable thought that there could have been a Jewish or Christian magistrate. So he's not even coming close to the idea of my government needs to be my religion. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't, he doesn't fall apart. He doesn't say, oh, 
this everything the church is going to just oh it's just going to fall apart because the government's not backing it or is not friendly to our our religion not at all and i think that fights against the idea that we should not give honor to this roman emperor that permits sinful things right I, like I gladiatorial games right and and even persecuting right and now that's where i'm going next so just war and all that comes don't can, don't kind of different thing i'll try now you stop me if i if i get too close um but he's not saying run away he's not saying overthrow he's saying engage and it's going to be okay and so we talk a lot about fear and faith in our culture in a very shallow way. I have faith, therefore I don't this have... This guy's always telling me faith over fear. Faith over fear. We should put <laughs> on a t-shirt. Faith I think over he's got fear. a tattoo. Yeah, yeah. faith That's over fear. Be a good slogan, yeah. But the truth of the matter is, we. it's kind of like adiaphora. Like, um, it's my freedom to do something. That's how I talk about adiaphora. And then it's my freedom not to do what you think is best. That's how I play the adiaphora card. Mm-hmm. So I am going to fear like something that really I shouldn't fear. And this is the end of the world. But then when there's something that... I'm moving to Canada if dot, dot, dot. And then, but I'm going to be all about trusting Jesus when it comes to not going to the doctor or something like that. Were you picking on me? Nope, I wasn't. (laughs) I was going to say vaccine, but I didn't want to get... I try not to get angry emails because... You already did that last session with the critical race stuff. So notice that there would be, there are some people who would say this governmental policy, this governmental uh, system, this particular political party, this particular political person is going to be the death knell to our way of life in the church, right? (coughs) As if that was not included in Jesus saying that Hades will not overcome the church. Mm Mm-hmm. But Paul seems to be saying, like, Jesus, God's still in control. He's leaning more towards the faith over fear kind of thing, although he wouldn't <laughs> say it that in that cheesy of a manner. <laughs> so I wonder if in our context, the American context, that sometimes we do the faith over fear and are not consistent with that, especially when it comes to governmental issues and policy and I'm not going to say another word, okay? Lest I get in trouble. So, um, I will say though, you guys are aware that we're a rather persecuted church in America. You may have heard this. Absolutely, it's um, very sad. This last wave of tax exemption was frighteningly vicious, mm. um, <laughs> as well as the the, um, the COVID bailout loans. Mm. Um, but we've endured. Um, there have been some things said on the atheist subreddit that are just terrible. Hmm. Um, So we are... Do you need a safe space? We're persecuted people, yeah. Um, And so some might say, right, this... um, Yeah, we would honor, respect the government, whatever, but not when the government is um, is persecuting us. Paul, right, had had some run-ins with the government. Um... I even think he was arrested. Mm-hmm. Yep. Some of that will come after he writes this. Some stuff will come before. And yet... Um, Not by the government, but I'm pretty sure he was almost stoned to death. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I'm, I'm the on-topic guy today, so I'm not going to have fun with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, but um, this is not something... Um, Paul is writing just for when there is a friendly government, um, but for government in general. That being said, um, can I give you a little bit of what the Magdeburg argued? Yeah, argued to you. Um, by the way, do you guys like that? I sent you when I took my oldest son to go visit a college. This was a truck I saw at a light, and it says faith over fear on its tailgate. And then it's got the three crosses on the right with Jesus dying. But then to the left, um, you'll notice all of it's black and white. So it's Jesus black and white with a crown of thorns. But then as he's, like, it looks like he's carrying the cross. 
but he's actually carrying an American flag which has color. Like, um, mm-hmm. So he almost, be, he almost seems to be grasping and holding on to the flag as if they are one, mm-hmm. or even if he is depending upon, or maybe in particular protecting this nation. Right. I I think it looks like. He's really almost hugging it. Yeah, he, that's kind of that's yeah. kind of the vibe that I'm I like getting. to think he's kneeling as he does so because, as Jesus said during his passion, um, he stands for the cross and kneels for the. F- oh wait, no, he st- stands, stands for the flag. For the flag. Or, no, he's standing then because he he stands yeah, for the stands flag for the flag, and kneels for the cross. Okay, I love that because this usually comes from let's say the type of non-liturgical, non-liturgical <laughs> church that if you said genuflect, they would say Gesundheit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and they don't even have a cross in the, so yeah. never mind. Yeah. Okay, we're done. <clears throat> okay, the Mockenbergers are being persecuted. Charles V, who Mike and I have agreed in sessions, not a terribly bad guy. No. But sees it as job to... Theologically problematic. Right, to be a good um, Holy Roman Emperor and defender of the Catholic Church even though his troops sacked Rome at one point, right? Um, with, uh, and this is why you should listen to the Luther series, um, the Duke of Mori, or Duke Moritz of Ducal Saxony, sides with Charles V, even though he's a Lutheran, um, to defeat the Schmalkaldic League, which is a Lutheran defensive alliance. Um, and so the, the, the big Lutheran leaders are captured and their armies are defeated. And Charles V um, is trying to mandate now Catholic practice and jurisdiction again. Um, Moritz tries to get around it with like some compromise with a compromise formula, um, but Magdeburg says no, and um, we'll fight. And they're going to argue that it's it's their government officials' responsibility <coughs> to resist vocationally. Now, this is not every last Magdeburger makes their own decision and takes up arms. Um, but that the lesser magistrate should resist um, because he is there to protect his subjects, to reward good, punish evil. And this is a persecution of the, of the gospel, right, um, of their religion. Uh, and they'll point to Romans 13 and say um, this is precisely the, the duty to resist. Um, equivalent here would be, if, say, a governor resisting the president. <clears throat> or a mayor, the governor, because what are these authorities um, appointed to do? Not to be a terror to good conduct, but to bad, to reward what is good, um, and to uh, so to be an avenger, but to bring a ward. And uh, this is then um, not only setting what should be done for the individual, but it's setting parameters for what should be expected from the government. Now, they make a constitutional argument for this. They say the way the Holy Roman Empire is set up, it's not as if Charles V is king, right? And then you just have his officials under him. But the the empire is a collection of states or territories and free cities. So this is not... It's not an empire, it's a federation. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're going to make a constitutional argument. So this would be somewhat similar to an American saying, um, if uh, the federal government passed an unjust law, and let's not even make this a religious law, but just an unjust law, that um, the attorney general or the government of that state would then fight that, which we see happen all the times in the courts. I, I was going to say just maybe for one second that... Uh, we're always thinking Roman in Romans 13 and stuff, taking up arms and stuff like this. Lower magistrates in the United States are constantly doing this through the legal it's system. It's the expectation of them. The, the, the state of Wisconsin could sue the federal government, and in fact, there are suits going on all the time against the federal mm-hmm. government. This is played out in a, in a more modern, I'd hate to say civilized because it's sometimes uncivilized, but at <laughs> least we're not... Militia versus militia. Right. Yeah. Okay. And now this does involve arms with Magdeburg. I don't think that they would say necessarily that there would be the same argument 
for Paul with Romans because Rome had no such constitution. Um, and as you mentioned, there's no Christian magistrates or whatever else. <clears throat> you have empire, emperor and senate. Um, what do you guys... The Magdeburg Confession influences the Reformed. The Reformed always get credit for coming up with Protestant resistance theory, but the Lutherans do it first. It also influences some of the founders, right, who are going to build in this greater, later, lesser magistrate, um, three branches of government type of thing. <clears throat> so here's my question. To the Christians who lately there's been some, especially on the right and especially further on the right, who've been taking the Magdeburg Confession and using it completely out of context as if this is just every Christian should take up arms and form a militia, whatever. That's not, it's speaking vocationally and constitutionally. So just stop it. And especially they're doing it now because it's convenient of their concerns politically. Um, there was no talk of this. Like, did you know, um, it's kind of crazy, Mike uh, and Jason, abortion's been around like for decades. It has been. Yeah. And um, it was only like after a certain point that you get now Magdeburg con Confession is for that. Um, but you know that historically um, people have sinned sexually and failed to um, live uh, um, and uphold Christian marriage, especially non-Christians. Often in history... I would even go so far as to say the Rome Paul knew all of those things were true. They, mm. they, they were like, and not just abortion, like you just leave a kid out yeah. Yeah. to die or be sold. In a no, okay. To be clear, I'm pro-life, right? You guys would testify to that. I'm a, um, I've said my politics are build bike lanes, give me trains, don't kill babies. This is, this is these are my issues. Um, but it's a solid platform. It's, and, and mine is don't kill babies, run over bikers. <laughs> I don't care about anything else. Yeah. But um, it's, it's in like the last 10 years that some Lutherans have, and, and let's be honest, maybe in the last four or five, especially that, um, or, or since Obergefell ruling, that people have kind of been latching on to some of this and sometimes latching on as if, um, the state's not being Christian enough, and so this is why something needs to happen. Now, we are blessed to live in a country where we, as citizens, can work to legislate for the good of our neighbor. And I would say um, uh, pro-life legislation is, for the most part, good for our neighbor. Sometimes it's done in a way that's not good for our neighbor if we're not careful about it. Um, but, but many things could be done that would be good for our neighbor. So I'm not, I'm not saying that that's wrong. But, okay, anyways, I'm not saying use the Magdeburg Confession. <clears throat> Don't be a, a nutter with it, right? But do you think for an American reading Romans 13 um, that we do find here, I wouldn't say so much for resistance like revolution, but for, for making full use of our government systems that we are, we the people, and even being engaged, um, uh, you know, um, lobbying for good causes, um, voting. At, sometimes not voting is, is voting also. I, I'm not saying you have to vote. Mm -hmm. um, maybe Christians running for office, um, you know, making use of the judicial system for the benefit of our neighbor. I'm not saying I slip on the ice at your house and I go sue you. But there might be a time where I would sue for a violation of my rights, not for my own good, but for the sake of my neighbor. Um, what do you guys think with that regard? In that regard, with Romans thirteen, or, or do you think there's nothing to be? Was Magdeburg just way off on how they're reading? Well, I, I think when you try and Romans thirteen speaks about the individual. It also speaks about what the state is for in very, very, very small terms. It does is not a political vision right and right. so even what we mean by reward good or punish evil good and evil yeah. are not thoroughly defined like we might disagree on what tax code is good and yeah. what tax mm -hmm. code isn't good so it's very dangerous to with the Magdeburg confession let alone Romans 13 say this is how these things should should act there's principles here but even the principles are actually 
as profound as they are, are not detailed, right? And uh, something that we talked about uh, yesterday uh, when we did a, a, a couple, when we did a wing in it before our last wing in it, and that was God's dealing with messy people, mm-hmm. right? So if you're looking for a perfect government or to ease your conscience about, let's say, America, the American Revolution or whatever, Paul's not, Paul is not saying, here is what, the, what a government should look like, and when we finally get a Christian king, this is what I want you to follow, right? So, you know, there's questions of should, should have the Americans rebelled, and so we're going to try to find uh, good Christian reasons for their, why there could have been a revelation, and it seems like we're stretching the truth a little bit here. I think the truth of the matter is we're here right now. <laughs> this, Paul, Paul's saying, right now, here's the deal. He's not, he's, he's not really concerned with this is what a, uh, a Christian polity is going to look like one day, right? And I think a lot of it comes down to you follow your conscience, right? You're going to do what's good at best for your neighbor with humility, without rebelling, and check yourself to say, is this really just about you and your, you know, you got your feelings hurt? Hmm because your culture is going a different way or you only care about your the <coughs> bottom line, of your paycheck, um, or you care about just quite frankly, being more righteous than everybody else. Right. That would be a more of a left leaning thing than a right leaning thing. Uh, at least at this point in history. Um, mm. if that there's some own the there libs, is, right. There is, there is, but I think that a, uh, the only reason I said that is because... Did I make you angry? Yeah. <laughs> there was... I was being a little tough on the right. And, you know, you oh, you're trying to even it out. Little, even it out. Um, th- those are the, the motivation type questions. This right? is Jason's here. Yeah. So. Dude's far right. Far right? Yeah. I've heard it described as alt-right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I feel like I'm kind of, you know, sitting cent- you know, centrally here at the table. Yeah, but, uh, right. yeah. you know... Just, uh, Wade thinks he's left leaning. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, it's only one click left to the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's so he can feel superior. Oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Jason, you talk. Yeah. I think, I think that um, there is some argument to be made here with that, you know, especially from a, a constitutional. Um, I, I think some of that depends as you were saying before about the structure of government that, that you're in and, you know, um, in the empire, they had legal grounds of sorts to, to go off of. Right. And that there was still legitimate authority that was driving that and governing that. Um, and I think that maybe is the distinction or the, or something that you'd want to look carefully at in our, system here right um there are and and i'll say i've not done nearly the amount of work on this that as you have you know um, weighed with the work that you've done with magdeburg and the like but in some ways there are some interesting parallels between the empire and their their setup and the the system that we have in america and i think talking about these different levels of authority that that take place in our system certainly opens the the door to some of those arguments i think much more so than if you're in a complete centrist type of system you know where you know it's the king and his word is law and all that other stuff right um i think the the thing that is so important with that and i think this was also the case uh not only in romans but with the reformers and during that time too is that it was still an appeal through legitimate legal authority. Um, and I think that's where maybe many today might say, no, it's my, it's up to me as an individual to take this on myself. Um, and I think that you have pretty consistent, um, testimony among, you know, the reformers. And during, during that time, we say, oh, no, that's not really how this is supposed <laughs> right. to work. And that, I mean, that's where Luther has great yeah. concern about the mob or rebellion. Yep. 
And I mean, you see the the danger of that too. Just I mean, with some of the some of the things that have happened, um, you know, with violent violent outbreaks across our country over the last couple of years too, right? Where when you know individuals kind of take it upon themselves, and the, and the and the legitimate authority takes a step back, whether that's yeah. intentional or not. You know, in certain instances, it's you know bad things happen, and and I think Paul would not argue for that you know and that's not what he's saying in and romans and that's it. certainly not the case of what they were talking about either and i think there there's i think room within our system to build some of those arguments i think maybe when you talk especially through the through the system the legal system um i think it would be maybe a little bit more challenging when you get actually into taking up taking up arms if it if yeah. something would come to that you know but but because there i think our system is maybe I, I i think there's certainly layers in that but maybe not quite as clearly defined yeah and i think along those lines while we can feel closer to the holy roman empire on some level with the how the, kind of you almost have this federated state mm-hmm. i mean it's it's anachronistic to compare but sure yeah. for purposes Maybe somewhere where we're closer to Paul's Rome is the Magdeburgers are writing in a time where this is still Christendom. Mm-hmm. And the expectation is that almost everyone involved is a Christian. Um, and, uh, well, they would disagree with Charles V's confession of the Christian faith. They will even appeal to him as a Christian, right, in the writing of um, why would you persecute the truth of God? And I think that's also that something that needs to be remembered when people try to make too much of a mm-hmm. one-to-one in our day is that um, that that's not the situation um, in America. And and, uh, and our founders were probably wise for avoiding... Um, I mean, there's a reason that we don't have any one established religion um, because right, that can... It's kind of like when Missouri Synod voted to give their synod president all kinds of power because it was Kishnik. And then um, Kishnik lost to Harrison. And then Harrison <laughs> had a whole bunch of power. Um, you know, right? These people come and go and you want to avoid, right, abuses that may come from that. So I think that also is something that maybe should be um, borne in mind. Mike, you got anything else on this part of Romans 13? I thought before you looked like you had something to say, maybe. Well, just uh, maybe not to that point, but uh, just kind of how we how we address all of this. I think you can look to the Bible and you can find certain things that would guide us and maybe even some principles, but they're very, very vague. For instance, I think you can come to the conclusion that there should be a limited government, not necessarily in the way like a Ronald Reagan's speaking about, in fact, government being the problem, maybe, maybe okay at his time, but that's not exactly what Paul's saying here, right? <laughs> um, but a limited government in the sense that it can't get my soul, can't get my conscience. Yeah. It's limited by just the very fact that it that is. Now, can I take that and say, okay, if I would build a government from scratch, I would understand that as a principle that there are. I cannot, and therefore I will not try to get into the conscience, mind, and soul of, of, uh, of the people, right? But to say that, well, this then I can point to the Bible and say, uh, uh, we have to have this policy or that, that policy. That's not the Bible's purpose, mm-hmm. right? That's right. just not the Bible's purpose. And you got to be really careful. I mean, we, we, we gripe about this all the time, right? I want to talk about leadership. So I pull out of context all these passages. Are, are there certain principles of maybe leadership that you can find in Scripture? Sure. But to make a detailed account of it, no. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think the same is true of when it comes to, to government. And, and then maybe one last thing, and maybe you don't want to go down here, but what's a legal authority and what's not a legal authority is a question. And sometimes there's an authority that maybe would have been questioned as illegal, but it's been around enough. So it's legal. And th- those get tricky. And in human yep. history that ha- it's just, it's going to happen. It, it, yep. Everyone broke away from something. Right. Right. 
So I think that that is where, you know, like the, the, it's always kind of not in the background, but once in a while it comes up, would you as a Lutheran been pro revolution or, or a royalist, right? No, this is a, one of those questions that gets to the point of what we're talking about today. And I think you finally say, that's yeah, not the point, right? Because I'm not, I'm not making those decisions. I'm saying what's in front of me right now, who's my neighbor, whatever. And can I convince myself that the lesser measures? Sure. I, I just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a judgment on those people in, in, in the 1700s. Um, cause I wasn't there and it becomes very, it's just too difficult to do it. Right. And I think there too, um, it's always important when we are concerned with things and, you know, you look to give to Caesar what is Caesar's, God what is God's. And then, you know, Peter, the Petrine closet, we must obey God rather than men. We need to be really careful that these things are actually of God mm-hmm. when we're trying to take a stand for giving God what's God's. Um, especially going through the pandemic, we've had people on various sides of issues that have made things of God that are not necessarily... Um, of God, right? Um, and so, you know, we've heard, I, um, I've i been taken a task by Christians who did not think I or we or whoever, I'm sure many pastors, were, um, were doing enough during COVID um, as if it were this, and of God that every possible last protocol be taken and observed. But then I've also been taking a task, and I'm sure pastors have, um, that doing anything was giving to Caesar what is God's, as if um, any protocol was violating some biblical precept. Um, I mean, both sides of those, they're laughable positions. They ought to be. Um, but there were people who lost their mind about them, and their mm-hmm. Christianity um almost became distilled to those things in the in the moment um, that hurts the cause <laughs> of the gospel mm-hmm. and so maybe then if i i'll just briefly read the second half of 13 can oh, yeah, maybe with that i i think you know and the challenge comes in you know when you know now you know if you're so convinced in your conscience that 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 this is the right but i think the challenge there for you before you know you go to the fullest extent is to, is to really make sure is my conscience really properly formed right. on this? Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think, you know, you say, well, you know, it's, th- that is one of the questions, right. That, come, you know, say whether this is right or wrong or whatever, if this is what my conscience tells me, it's what I should do. But at the same time, you have a responsibility there too, to make sure that your conscience is being truly formed. And especially if you want to make your conscience. Yep. Binding on the conscience yes. of your neighbor as yep. well, which is often, yep. <clears throat> I mean, you can have the, the tyranny of the weaker brother. As, mm-hmm. um, we should do weak brother, strong brother yeah. at some point in the uh, future. Um, I'm sure Michael wrote that down as a great episode idea. <laughs> um, <clears throat> scandal and offense of the weaker brother. <laughs> so let's get the second half of, of 13. I'll throw it to you guys and then we'll, we'll wrap up. But Paul writes beginning with verse 8. <clears throat> Oh, no one anything except to love each other. So our students who have student loans, sinning big time, right? Um, <laughs> oh, no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery. No, see, goes to the second table here. You shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. And this gets at um, Mike bringing out that Paul is expecting Christ to return soon. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. And maybe this is an opportunity to rethink when, if our politics are largely becoming about power, <clears throat> right? Um We're called here to put off the works of darkness. This is not bare power struggles. Um, 13, let us walk properly as in the daytime, um, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. 
Um, but Paul, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This makes a lot of sense with chapter 14 that comes after, but it also makes a lot of sense coming where it does with chapter 13. Um, we got a little while. We won't go too long, but what are your guys' thoughts on, on Paul now turning to love and the fulfillment of love and putting on Christ, which is right baptismal language? Why does that make sense to follow what we just looked at and spent a bunch of time on? Well, it's interesting. I mean, he's just talking about all this, uh, what you know, what we owe to people, you know, and that whole idea of taxes and revenue and honor and all that other stuff. And he said, you know, really now, you know, the the thing that we should owe and not not and really owe to everyone is that debt of love, right? And and that that should ultimately be what governs our interaction you know and i think that you know whether you're talking whatever kingdom of the left or kingdom of the right i mean that should that should govern our interactions there and you know certainly here he seems to be talking primarily in the in the realm of you know um living um that civic uh responsibility that love toward neighbor the the um before the before the world type of um, living your faith in you know righteousness that way and um, I think that is kind of a again an interesting interesting connection that he draws between that what what you owe and now saying really what what you owe is really about loving each other yeah, uh, he does not talk, and this is not necessarily because he's making a statement politically, obviously, but he does not talk about your individual freedoms. He talks about love of neighbor, right? I'm not, don't take that too far. But at the same time, let's be honest. And that he calls he, that a debt. Yeah, and, and let's be honest. In our, and I'm happy. I think you can find places in the Bible where God, God intends us to be free. Right. And that's what he wants. He wants to free us from ultimately sin and death. Right. Um, and so I can say my impulse for freedom is because I'm creating the image of God. God talks about freedom. But as we've said before, biblical, especially Pauline freedom is a little bit different than maybe uh, the way I think of freedom in the American context. But it does say something. Right. That in kind of his one chapter on. <laughs> government mm-hmm. he's not talking about a bill of rights that, that that you can draw that from other places but it's always neighbor driven it's always neighbor driven and uh, even even you know it sounds like i'm america bashing i'm not i think that our founding fathers who are not perfect many of them would have been deists right and that's perfectly fine right that's as far as it goes with mm. with with uh, with government, but they're talking about community. They're talking about shalom. They're talking about flourishing. They're talking about. They understand that this all of all falls apart if if there's not at least a certain level of like okay, we all kind of agree to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. There is a neighbor concept there that that does even in the even in the Greek. Um way of thinking, even in the, in the American way of thinking, regardless of, you know, if it was influenced by Paul or not, right? And uh, a hyper-individualism, uh, an individualism of the modern period, which I would say was largely good, becomes overripe and become, can become something that's, that, that can be destructive, like all things. And so... Again, we'll say that when when a Christian, especially in America, is thinking about, okay, what does Paul say about freedom? What does Paul say about governmental authorities? What does Jesus say about both? You kind of got to check yourself and say, here, I'm coming with some baggage here. Mm. The baggage may not be incorrect, but it's baggage still. It's there. And that way you can maybe, you could be a little bit more honest in your reading of Paul. Fair enough? Yeah, I think, I mean... um, if one ditch, as you mentioned earlier, is that we don't, um, if we become overcome with fear because of the political sphere, the kingdom of the left, um, we've probably conflated 
our faith with our politics mm-hmm. in a dangerous way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, if we lose sight of our neighbor because of our politics, um, we've probably um, lost sight of the faces of individuals. Yeah, that's what I mean, the individual. For the, the... <clears throat> yeah, for the sake of... Um, it reminds me of the... Um, Grand Inquisitor in, in the Brothers K by Dostoevsky and Ivan <clears throat> tells these stories about horrible things that happen to people but it's for like his, this grand socialist cause he sees he doesn't even care about the people he says he doesn't like people once they have faces Alyosha who's going to become the monk right gets lost in the faces and there's probably somewhere in between there that we should fall we, we're not going to just become monks and just love individual people and not care about the life of the polis. But we also, it gets dangerous when we can lose sight of the face. And um, maybe in a, um, there's politics have always been partisan and divisive to some degree, but if you've ever found yourself just not wanting to see your family or no longer hanging out with certain friends you used to be close with, um, because of a political issue, maybe it's a good reminder um, that you're called to, to have a love that transcends whatever that is. And I think Paul here speaking in a much more dire situation when it comes to the future of the church than today, if you're thinking in only yep. what I can see as a human being, does not freak out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. He truly, he truly is like, is going to be okay. What he does is he understands that this Roman government is a penultimate and not ultimate thing. Right. And that's what we're talking about here. If you make your political, whatever your ultimate reality to the expense of your family or of your faith or whatever you've made, you you're treating your nation state or your political party like the ultimate thing. And you're asking that nation state or the political party to do something it cannot do for you. And you it will fail because it is impossible for that to be your ultimate reality. I think it's also <clears throat> the connecting this to the kind of the eschatological thoughts that he has at the end, you know, about Christ coming and and that idea and you know how the, this idea this debt of love that we have toward neighbor um there's going to be a cost to that, mm. right? You know, yeah. there, th- that's going to be a painful thing. It's going to be an uncomfortable thing. If I have to, if I have to give in love like that, um, and that means I may not get what I want. That may not be, that may not, may mean that I'm not necessarily doing the best for self in that, in that instance, or what's the most comfortable for me. Um, that, and, you know, look at that and think, well, man, that, uh, why that stinks. Why would I want to do that? Why, why do I want to make good on this debt of love? And yet saying, you know, it puts the focus back on Jesus is coming. Right. And if Jesus is really your all in all, if, if it's all about him, then whatever you're giving up in that debt of love is never, is not going to be a loss. You're not going to be out anything. Um, because, you know, again, Jesus can, (laughs) not only is he coming, but you know, he'll, he'll replace whatever it is that you're giving up and then some, and that's kind of an interesting connection too. I think that I like it. Well, we're at an hour, but I think we were pretty focused. So I commend you gentlemen. And I thank you, uh, to our listeners. Thanks for bearing with us and, and coming along for the conversation. And uh, let the bird fly. Every evening when the sun goes down, get up my party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a tank. I set him up, another round. I set him up, another round. I set him up, another round. One more round won't get me down.